Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Silver Bartender Podcast, the show where we recover from life. I'm your host, Brandi Kelly. Today is a special episode. I think they're all special, but today's extra special. Today, if you are listening to this as of, what, what's tomorrow? September 6th. I'm a thousand days sober. No drugs, no alcohol, no prescription drugs, no mind-altering substances other than nicotine and caffeine. That's freaking unbelievable. A thousand days. And it started with one day. It was one day, and then it was just the next day, and the next day, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year, and then two, and now I'm on my way to three years without a drink. And I kind of can't even remember what it was. I mean, I remember what it was like, but I can't picture myself in that in that situation like who I am today does not identify with the me that lived that way um I'm I'm a little emotional already um it's crazy it's crazy a thousand days that is the longest I have ever been sober in my adult life, um, probably since the time I was, I don't know, 12 years old, never have I ever, <laughs> never have I ever stuck to something like this. Never have I ever made a change so huge and profound that I continue to lean into it and continue to let it impact my life. So anyway, woohoo. I want to talk about things that I have learned in a thousand days sober. I was going to give you a thousand things I learned, but that we're going to be here all day. I don't know how long it would take to list a thousand things, but if you've listened to this podcast before, I tend to ramble. So we're going to reel that in and we're just going to, we're going to go with just some of my favorite, favorite lessons and things that I've discovered about myself and about my life. I was thinking about this the other night at dinner. Um, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bev cart driver on a golf course. So I'm a bartender on wheels, I guess. And, um, I was sitting down to dinner with my husband and I was telling him about my day and he said, I think it's so beautiful, the view that you have on your life because you've been at the bottom. And I was like, please explain what in the hell you're talking about. And he was like, my day doesn't, doesn't stay like that in my mind. I just have like a black and white, like eight millimeter reel that just kind of goes around. He's like, but you're, you just, the way that you see things and you appreciate things and the way that things impact you, I think it's because you've been at the bottom and now you just have this deep appreciation of everything. And just the way you experience it sounds so different than anything that I experience. And so that really got me thinking. 
It definitely wasn't always like this. I was not always an appreciator of every single ounce of life. And today I am. And it's not always easy. I've had some rough, some rough days lately. Um, you know, I drive to work and I'm listening to music sometimes and I'm singing along with it and I'm just bursting into tears and not wanting to like screw up my makeup first thing in the day. But I just feel so deeply. I'm moved by just the precious gift that my life is. And it's not because my life is extravagant or it's better than anyone else's. It's that my internal life, like inside of me, is just, it's a whole new world. It's like I live on a new planet inside of myself. And that's because of recovery. That's That's due to sobriety. That's due to not running and escaping and hiding from the way that I'm feeling. Um, Anyway, (laughs) my journey of self-discovery started on December 10th of 2020. I was living in Linwood, Washington. I was newly married to a longtime friend. But someone I hadn't dated for, I, we dated for like two months. Um, it was not a happy marriage. It was hopeful. And that's about it. Um, but I was miserable. I was miserable. I was miserable enough to make a decision. I knew that a lot in my life needed to change. But in order for any of it to change, the first thing that had to change was I had to stop drinking. I had to stop poisoning my mind and my body so that I could just start wading my way through things. Because just drowning and pouring poison on top of them, that was the first thing that had to go. It was clear. It was apparent. There was there was no getting around that. So I made that decision. And that was the beginning. There were some pivotal moments that that happened early on that helped me get to know myself. Um, You know, as far as as far as recovery goes, I made the decision to make that my number one priority. It came before work. It came before my then husband. It came before you know, socializing, fun, anything. Um, And that was, that was a lifesaver because that brought me that contact, that higher power. And I don't know if I could possibly emphasize enough how important making that initial contact was because there are all these things that I can do like through my thoughts or through my actions But realizing that I am so loved and I am so just valued and adored and supported and held by the force that created all the life on this planet really took a lot of weight 
off of my shoulders. It took a lot of the burden of my own perceived responsibility when I realized that I'm not really in control of all of this. This, I am. But all of the things outside of myself, totally out of my control. And the things that are inside of me that feel out of the out of control, turns out I have help with that. Like I have... I have spirit that is ready and willing to support and guide and encourage me. I have this endless, limitless resource that I can tap into at any time I choose. Like when people say in the whole universe, like when you look up at the sky and we just see what we see and then you realize that it just keeps going and it keeps going beyond what our minds can fathom. All of that is loving and holding and supporting me. Wow. And all I have to do is get enough out of my head and out of my way to say, please help me. And then be willing to just get quiet and stop making more action and more chaos and stop creating more obstacles in my life and just sit and listen and then realizing that I have this source inside of me that was always there from the moment that I was the tiniest little seed of thought. I used to believe that I was born bad. I I got it tattooed across my stomach, born bad. I was not born bad. I was born curious and Um, adventurous and really talkative with a wild imagination and a love for singing and dancing. And I was definitely not born bad, but I learned things in order to survive and in order to get what I wanted. And those things no longer were serving me. And um, so listening to that source energy, listening to that intuition that has been there all along, like knowing the difference between my thoughts and my intuition, it's just a matter for me of getting quiet enough. I know like the inner knowing is real, but that's no easy task. Getting quiet is not easy. I mean... There are a lot of things going on. There are relationships and there are friendships and there's traffic and there's bills and there's, you know, what's going to, you know, what are you making for dinner and just who's going to get so-and-so from where? And I get it. There's a lot of stuff. But one of the most valuable resources, in my opinion, the most valuable resource is right there inside of us. And we just have to slow down enough and get quiet enough and just let our breath guide us to hear what that inner voice has to tell us. See, I use prayer. I use prayer to talk and to speak into existence, you know, what I'm thankful for, what I need help with. You know, those are my, those are my questions and those are my thanks. But meditation and that quiet time, that's where I listen 
And that's where I am able to be and receive and then give thanks. Um, being sober for this long has taught me that my worth is not contingent on my productivity. That is something not that I was taught or that, um, it's just something that I've believed. I believed that in order for me to be worthy of love or of affection or validation or any of the things that I think that I need at any given time, I need to do a certain amount of work. I need to earn those things. I need to prove. I need to, you know, hustle and strain and climb and fight. And I do not. I was born worthy. And it wasn't until I realized that in myself and I let myself be worthy of my own love that then I was able to stop needing that from everyone else. I don't need you to tell me that I'm worthy. I don't need a certain number of listens or downloads or likes or comments. Does it feel good? Heck yeah. But do I need it? I don't. I do not. I was born worthy. And I have always had those things available to me. But it wasn't until I experienced true pain and just the most precious gift of desperation that I was able to be willing to get quiet enough to open up and receive those blessings. So in the beginning, um, I had a really hard time with the word no. I don't like hearing no. I don't really like saying no. And um, man, when you, if you go through and you really take a close look at the timeline of my life and my choices, so much pain and suffering came from not wanting to say no. The discomfort of saying no prevent, like it, it opened me up to so much more pain than just that discomfort of letting someone else down or disappointing someone or not thinking that I was uh, worthy of work or relationships or, you know, someone's time or attention or appreciation because I wasn't willing to do just I mean, when people ask a question, I think they want a genuine answer. Some people do ask you a question and they just are asking because they think they know that you're going to say yes. But when I ask someone something, it's because I I want to know how they actually feel. Like, hey, can I come over and swim in your pool? I don't want you to just tell me yes because you think that's what I want to hear. And then I'm over there swimming in your pool because you felt bad to tell me no, but you don't actually want me there. Like, that's not actually kindness. That's not actually compassion. That's not actually friendship. Friendship is being willing to say no and still caring about that person and that person being able to receive your true answer and being like, okay, that's where we're at. And then moving on. So I had to learn how to say no because I got divorced at two months sober. 
And then I still lived with that person. And, you know, I was making recovery my top priority. My biggest priority was just getting to meetings, doing steps, um, you know, doing service, just anything besides sitting home and creating more chaos and destruction in my mind and in my world. I just, but in my home, you know, I couldn't live for my former partner. I couldn't live for them. So when they needed things that I knew felt threatening to my mental and emotional health, I had to learn how to say no. And I didn't think that I was allowed to because in looking at my track record, I felt like I had caused so much chaos and destruction in the lives of others due to my drinking. I thought that I, in order for me to be kind, I had to just do whatever people needed and give people whatever they wanted as some sort of like penance or. Yeah, like I owed the world because I had been so horrible to the world. But I was mostly horrible to myself. And I realized that I needed to, I needed to realize that I'm not a doormat and I can't treat myself like a doormat because then I teach other people that they can treat me like a doormat. Like I'm not uh, a big thing that I learned in the beginning was um, like, I'm not an emotional landfill. So even though you feel like I hurt you and like I wronged you, that does not mean that I owe you my my time and my emotional space for you to just roll up with your great big dump, dump truck of negative thoughts and emotions about me and just beep, beep, unload that on me. That's a no. And holy crap, like realizing that and implementing that into my life was a game changer. I said no. I said a boundary. Changed my whole world. I felt like I could trust myself to take care of myself just a little bit. I was waking up in the morning and I wasn't taking that first drink. I was going to bed still sober despite emotional chaos and turmoil happening around me. I'm starting to trust myself a little bit. And then recognizing that I'm not a human doormat and I'm not an emotional landfill. Huge. The amount of love that I felt from myself while also tapping into this spirit realm and asking for guidance and love and support while I made these, you know, huge changes that felt big and scary to me. I learned, I've learned that also like doing things that scare me has not killed me once. It hasn't eaten me. It hasn't ran me over with a car. hasn't gotten me in jail. Um, hasn't gotten me homeless. Yeah. Like I've done things that are very, very scary or that seemed really hard and it hasn't taken me out. Have I succeeded at every single thing I have tried to do? No. But I've learned to fail forward because when you take those failures and you put them 
into the next thing that you're trying, you get up, you're not failing. As long as you keep getting up, you're not failing. It's not until you just throw it all on the floor and just go, nope, this is just the way it is. Then that's game over because you stop playing the game. Yeah. Um, I embraced kindness as a coping mechanism. So when I feel uncomfortable or anxious or worked up or out of control, I feel like a situation is out of control. I am not quick to, I'm, I'm not the kindest responder or I kind of lash out in an aggressive way in tense times. I get really defensive. I get really snappy. And um, I learned that it felt a lot better to respond with kindness. And that wasn't always received well either because it felt condescending. But I really did do my best to care about where other people were coming from, but care where I was coming from more. I, when I would say, I'm sorry that that's what you're experiencing, but unfortunately, I'm in a space where I can't receive what you're experiencing either. So I, it sucks that that's where you're at, but where I'm at isn't going to meet you where you're at. And, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was a different kind of survival mode. Um, yeah, I embraced the work. I stopped thinking about what people wanted to see in the work and I really just dove into it and I felt like I was doing it different than other people and I did not care. I didn't compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparing your progress, comparing your bottom, comparing your recovery, comparing how many DUIs you got. I mean, none of it matters. None of it is a gauge for where you're at because your experience is not mine and mine is not yours. We're not starting at the same place and we don't need to finish at the same place. The point is just that we recover. We're recovering ourselves. So our recovery can't look the same, right? I hear so many people, you know, just comparing their their time and it's like you know we may have similarities in the kind of drinkers we were or in the experience that we had in different rooms and different recovery modalities you know we can we can definitely identify but comparing comparing kind of leaves somebody feeling small or less or different and we're not all that different we're really not. Um, I've learned. I've learned that support systems are absolutely essential. Identifying who your support system is and what their capacity is to support you. So if your best friend is your support system, like you need to know that your best friend is in like a, a place mentally and emotionally and physically to receive whatever it is that you're going through. Because if they're struggling to, y'all might both need a therapist. Y'all might both need to 
you know, go and talk to a professional or join a support group or, you know what I mean? Like if somebody's cup is already full and it's not full of good things, you cannot pour you. They're not your emotional landfill either. So these are important things to, um, to identify. But a support, I mean, a, a support network is essential. I use recovery rooms for my support network. I also have friends and family that I go to at different times with different things. My partner, my husband is my biggest supporter. He is way beyond supportive of anything and everything that I pursue. Um, but he has to remind me you know, that he's able to, to be a support in certain things, because I do kind of rob him of the opportunity of supporting me when I'm struggling, because I still have ideas about myself that I should or could be better or struggling less, but I'm, you know, I'm a work in progress, but I appreciate that he's willing to point out to me and say, you know, you can come and talk to me about this. And uh, sometimes I need a reminder. Um, mental health and well-being. The two do go hand in hand. Let me tell you, last week, I felt like I was spiraling. Not into a drink, but just I, I couldn't get quiet. I couldn't get to that place. My mind was too busy too busy wanting to control and wanting things to be different and, um, you know, just frustrated with people and places and things, things I cannot control, people, places, things, ideas, can't control them. I'm enough to try to handle and control. I don't need to try to control the world. But last week was just one of those weeks where I just, I felt like I needed to control other things and I felt like I couldn't. And I felt like, yeah, just feels like I'm on like this loop de loo and it's just spiraling down out of control. And I turned to a lot of my tools and resources and I just got quiet. And when I wanted to get up and I wanted to move around, I just stayed still. And just said, okay, it's okay if you want to get up, but we're not going to. And I told my body what I was planning to do with my mind. And then I was able to connect with spirit. Then I was able to connect with the voice that just said, like, all of these things are okay. None of these things need you to come in and take control of them. Um. The greatest asset is meditation, breathing, you know, the thing that you can't live without your breath. Like that's the biggest lifesaver for me. Um, gratitude is huge. Gratitude leads me to appreciation. I drive that Bev cart around the golf course and I'm racing with birds and I'm talking to bunnies and there's these little chipmunk things. And like my mind is just in awe of 
all of it, the ponds and the, the beach and the ocean and the different clouds and like, what an incredible thing that I get to do every day, liquor aside. Um, I am so grateful that I get to be outside all day, every day. It's hot and it's humid and sometimes it's not windy and I get eaten up by mosquitoes. I love being outside. It's worth it. I've learned that I really don't enjoy bartending and I've known that for quite a while. Um, I've learned that there's probably some fear blocking me from diving all the way into coaching full time and from starting my book. And um, I also know that there's nothing to be afraid of. If it doesn't go the way that I hope it goes or the way that I want it to go, like I know for a fact that God's plans for me are way bigger than anything that I can fathom. And so it's up to me to just kind of chase my joy and chase my purpose and my passion and do my best to help others because that is part of my purpose and my passion is to help others. And I've had some good lessons in helping others as of late. Um, I've learned that I can help people that want help. Um, I've learned that sometimes my help is not helpful. I've tried to prevent consequences for people knowing damn well that my consequences and my suffering and my misery were the things that brought me completely to my knees. And that gift of desperation is what got me where I am today was letting things get so bad that I could not stand for them to continue anymore. And, um, yeah, I've recently tried to rob someone of that because I didn't want them to hurt the way that I did. And I think maybe there were still parts of me that were wanting to be rescued. And so I had to set some boundaries and make some choices, but I also had to look inside of myself and say, what inside of me still thinks that it needs to save or be saved? I mean, it's it's important to me to carry the message that recovery is possible because there are people that do want to get better and that's who I'm here to help is the people that want it more than they want anything, more than they could fathom the idea of anything else they just don't want to keep living the way they've been living. I'm here for you. You're my people. Um, I've learned for me that softness is more important than survival. Um, I'm going to survive regardless. And the day that I stop surviving and I am no longer here, I am, I'm good with God. 
I mean, I'm not necessarily ready to die, but that's not the worst case scenario. So I'm, I'm not necessarily afraid of that. Not that I'm going to go live recklessly or jump out of airplanes or anything. I'm not, but I'm going to live softly. I'm going to choose love and I'm going to choose things that lead me closer to love and farther from fear. I've learned that alcohol, it has no place in my life. Um, It currently has a place in my career, but that won't be for much longer. Because I've got big plans. I've learned that there is no one right way to recover. But I've learned that it sure does help to not go it alone. A little guidance, a little direction, a little structure. Really, really worked wonders on me. I've learned that books are one of my favorite ways to escape as is doom scrolling on social media, but I don't feel good about myself after I do the latter. Whereas if I spend four hours reading a book, I don't feel too bad about myself. But if I spend four hours unplugging and just scrolling on Instagram, I don't feel great about myself. And while I want to work on not doom scrolling, I also want to work on not judging myself on how I choose to unplug. Um, I've learned that it's really important who you marry, who you date, who you spend your time with. I've learned that it's really important that you find someone that you are on the same team with. Because if you're not on the same team and you feel like you're playing on opposing teams or you are going up against each other. It's not, it's not a peaceful way to live. It's not a happy way to live. Like sharing your struggles, sharing your triumphs, you know, figuring things out together, um, you know, doing things together and for one another, but also having your own independent life. You know, I, I have a life outside of my husband and he has a life outside of me. We are two pillars that stand tall that hold this life up together and we share it all together. But he doesn't complete me and I don't complete him because I am a whole person that doesn't need fixing or saving. I don't have cracks that need to be plastered. I am not broken. I do not need to be fixed. And the same goes for him. It is not his job to make me happy. And it is not my job to make him happy. It is our job to recognize where we are at on the happiness scale and acknowledge that if we're not happy, do we want to do something about that? If we do, we can talk about it. And if you want to stay miserable for a bit, Do you come talk to me when you want to come out of it? Sometimes I want to sit in my shit. Sometimes I want to feel that yuck for some reason. 
Um, I've learned that pain is the touchstone of spiritual progress. Anytime something comes up and I'm feeling just I'm holding on to something or I'm just really going through it and I'm hurting really bad. There is a big spiritual lesson that is about to come flying at me. And um, yeah, the obstacle is the way. I grow through things. I don't get over things and I don't get around things and I don't avoid things. Going straight through them is is the way to grow through them. Um, I learned that it's really easy for me to get hooked on a lot of things that are not alcohol. Um, I've, yeah, like to escape and to distract um, or to change how I think and feel caffeine I can go from having one cup of coffee a day if I throw in an extra coffee or two next thing you know like I will be pounding coffee throughout every day and not feeling good about myself um like I said social media um sugar I get if I give my give into a sugar craving it does not stop there I want to continue to binge on that sugar until I feel super uncomfortable. Um, these are things that I recognize and then I can choose whether to ignore or to work through, but I don't need to fix them. I can just look and see what I'm doing and go, oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. In a thousand days sober, I've learned that alcohol is not evil and it's not bad and it's not out to get me. There are people that can, in fact, drink safely. I don't identify with those people and I don't understand them, but good for you guys. Um, just not one of them. There are just some of us that, you know, it's an addictive substance. It's easy to abuse. It's dangerous. Consequences are large. I never got a DUI. I never lost a job over it. I say I was never homeless, but I went from couch to couch for a couple of years. So you be the judge of that, whether that's homeless or not. I was definitely a couch hopper. Um, but gosh, the consequences. what alcohol abuse disorder does in your body and your mind. There is not a relief or an escape in this world that is worth it for me to live with the consequences that came with my drinking. Not a thing. Not worth it. Um, I've learned that I love podcasting and I also still get super uncomfortable in front of the camera. Um, I'm not an internet sensation. <laughs> I'm not an influencer. 
I just, I'm somebody who has a message and I feel like it's too important to keep it to myself and it's worth sharing. And I know that my voice is powerful and I know that my message is powerful and I'm not willing to keep it to myself. I've learned that people that you sometimes think, you know, you see them every day and they think you think that they're going to be a part of your life forever, sometimes stay in your life, but fade to the background. And that's kind of a painful lesson. I've learned that the phone goes both ways. So when I start beating myself up and feeling guilty for not reaching out to different family members, I don't get upset with them, but I realize I don't need to beat myself up because they're also busy and caught up in their own life and doing their own thing. And, and it's okay. So it's not so much being upset about not hearing from other people, but I get upset with myself for not keeping in better touch. But then I realized that they're okay. And if they're not okay, they can definitely reach out and vice versa. I'm okay. Um, I feel like every day is a lesson. Every day I learn something new about myself and I like something different about myself and I find something else to, to work on or to stop working on or learn that it doesn't, it all doesn't really matter that much. My sobriety matters. My breath matters. Oh, it's, it's interesting. I'm proud of myself. And if you, if you're on a similar journey, if you're on a similar path where you're making a decision to no longer engage in a behavior that is no longer serving you, I'm proud of you. This shit's not easy, but so worth it. I like who I'm finding underneath all of this. I'm proud of her. And I think the me before all the trauma and all the pain and all the chaos, I think she would be pretty proud of who we've become. Just got to make it to the end of the day without putting a drink or a drug in my body. One day at a time, I think I can do that. I want to thank you guys so much for listening and for celebrating my thousand days sober with me. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying these videos, please take time to like, subscribe, follow rate, review, comment, and please share. If there's anyone that you think might benefit from hearing this message, please share this with them. 
Um, I put out new episodes, new videos every Wednesday at 5 a.m. Central. So please, if you're following, you'll get a notification. Otherwise, you can stay tuned on my Facebook, um, Brandy Kelly. We have a podcast uh, Facebook page called The Sober Bartender. You can find me on Instagram at The Sober Bartender Podcast and on YouTube at The Sober Bartender. If you're struggling, I just want you to know that you are going to get through this. So please just don't give up. Please keep going. You matter. And I am so happy that you are alive. I love you guys. And thank you for listening. I will talk to you next Wednesday.